0: I'm Janet Forrest, and this is Behind the Shelves. The first time I went to the Athenaeum was on a short trip to the island in 2003 or maybe 2004. I wanted to research the history of the Star of the Sea hostel in Surfside, where I was staying. I can't remember now who helped me, but I know it required a trip up to the reference department in the Great Hall. I found the information I was looking for, thanked whoever helped me, and I went on my way. Since then, I haven't given much thought to the reference department. Even after three years as an employee at the Athenaeum, I am still not entirely clear what those folks are up to all day. I know they manage the laptops available to the public. They make sure the software is up to date and working properly. Occasionally, I see them helping an individual find something. But what kinds of things do people come in looking for? I get that the staff tracks down information and resources, but how do they know where to look? And how do they know which resources are the right resources? And can't the person just Google it? And where the heck is the vault I've been hearing about? And what's in it? In this episode, I talked to Lincoln Thurber, the head of the reference department, and his reference library associate, Jim Borzileri. I want to see if I can finally get to the bottom of what they do. I started by asking Jim how he would define reference.
1: Reference is, reference materials are those that are not necessarily, uh, they're sort of, let me think about, damn, that's a good question.
0: Let's try again. Can you tell me what kind of books and items people find in the reference department?
1: Uh, Reference materials are those that are not meant to be timely in the sense of it's not a book or a movie that just came out even on a specific topic. It's something that's meant to sort of endure. So this is where dictionaries, encyclopedias, and other, ref- and other books that just contain statistical information tend to live. Uh, but it's a very, very amorphous term because you will find some perfectly straight history books. So if you're interested, if someone came in and said, uh, I'm interested in whale ships, you know, and I'm told you have a few books. Yes, we do. We have several books. That's one of the areas that we kind of concentrate in. Uh, they could have been published anytime in the past 150 years. If it's considered a go-to book, in other words, other public, other writers will will reference it, then that's the kind of thing we t- try to have in the reference department.
0: So if that's what a reference department consists of, what does a reference librarian do? Here's how Lincoln explains
2: it. I think a reference librarian is sort of your guide. You have this question in your mind, whether that being like, you know, how far is the moon away from the earth, or uh, what exactly is a carbohydrate, (laughs) or, or, you know, or um, I remember this poem. And so the reference librarian is there to be sort of your guide. You you have the question, and they want to lead you to that answer. And in some cases, um, we can give you the answer directly, but in so many cases, we want to bring you on that journey, not only just to have you find the answer for yourself, but also to see how we go about it. What is it that uh, if, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you know, he, he eats for a lifetime. I think part of being a reference librarian is, is teaching people how to fish.
0: Maybe you're thinking what I'm thinking. What about Google. Isn't Google a faster, more efficient, all-encompassing reference librarian? Here's Jim again.
1: That is a very good question, and it's one that we ask ourselves almost every five minutes. Because you look at it and you say, well, we've got these books, and sometimes a new, the new editions for a year will come in. And you ask yourself, as you pull out the old ones, it's clear that no one's looked at them. You know, do we really need these? And... You know, the actual reference area has shrunk a little bit. A lot of publishers have come to the same conclusion. And they've said, why are we putting out a new set of encyclopedias every year? Why are we putting out a new set of uh, reference materials on a given topic, like the list of all books in print? or the list of all the plays that were performed in a given year. Does it really make sense to have a paper version of this? So you know, maybe this is something that can go electronic. And yeah, I, I think the answer for many people and we've concluded to is if it's online uh, and it's readily available, then yeah, that's not something we need. But there's sort of the key word because a lot of times this information goes behind a paywall. And so it might be worth our while to invest in a physical copy or an electronic version, because we do have licenses to get out to certain websites, so that we're just bringing that information to people that might not be able to afford it otherwise, which is one of those reasons of why do we have a library?
0: Back in the day, everything in libraries was paper-based, and everything was in a book or a file or an archive. With the invention of the World Wide Web, there's a lot more available, but it's not as straightforward to access. Part of the reference department's mission is not just providing free access to information and tools. They now see the need to assist people in taking advantage of the tools that are available to them.
1: It's not just post-Google, it's post-Internet. And we have this weird kind of contradiction where sometimes people have a phone, but they don't realize what they can do with it. Uh, We had someone who came in hmm, a couple of weeks ago And what she was really looking for was how to get the application forms for green card for someone in her family. And it's like, you know, and I don't know how to get it. And we said, well, we have these Chromebooks. But it's like, well, there wasn't a, a strong sense of, you know, well, I don't know where I'd be able to use it. I don't know how to use it. Fortunately, one of the other librarians asked, well, don't you have a phone? She goes, yeah, it's right here. I said, well, there may be an internet connection on this. And so we kind of scrolled through and she's like, well, I, I think it was like a hand-me-down. So it was given to by another relative and it's one of those, here, take this, here's how you dial, here's how you get your messages. And that was it. But once we looked at it, we realized, yeah, it went out to Yahoo, which may not be the state of the art, but there it was. And it was one hop from there out to the internet. You know, that was a case of just sort of working with them to make them understand no, you've got access to the information. Here's how you use it. So that's yet another service. And that goes back to, you know, Ms. DuPont's classes, which are constantly filled on how to use an iPhone, how to use the messaging.
0: Jim is referring to Janie Hobson DuPont, who teaches free technology classes that focus on iPhones and iPads, and covers everything, including saving and sharing photos, security settings, and downloading apps. You can find a link to our classes on our YouTube page or in the episode notes.
1: While I think it skews to some, perhaps some of our older uh, patrons, it's the same idea. It's like okay, you've got this item, you can demystify it by, you know, by essentially a lot, you know, lending out the Chromebooks and lending out the Wi-Fi hotspots, which is kind of again giving people a, the ability to get to the information, which you know is a direct link back to. Back in the old days, as I said, where a reference library would be this gigantic warehouse of paper information. We're just sort of eliminating the paper.
0: Lincoln says libraries and Google might seem very different. But if you look behind the curtain, you'd find a surprising commonality.
2: If you look at the people that are actually working in Google, they're people that also were getting Ph.D.s in library and information science. It's not different people. It's not different. It's not a different graduate degree between the engineers working at Google and the people that create maybe the systems that allow for the online catalogs at your local library. They're all the same people.
0: So if they are both created by the same people, What's the difference between doing a Google search and walking into the reference department?
2: I think libraries and librarians are extremely relevant because when you're talking about Google, you are just talking about algorithms. And these algorithms can, in some cases, sort of mimic the way that they might present information. So you ask a question on Google and it seemingly gives you an answer or it gives you a list of links. But... I think the librarian and the library are sort of that human interface. When people ask questions, it's usually just their first question. It's not that they're not asking the right question. It's just they don't know the depth of the different ways that you could possibly answer that question. Every once in a while, you'll ask a, put a question into Google and you get a very strange answer.
0: While Google offers up answers and links with indifference, a reference librarian takes great pride in helping people.
2: There's definitely a real uh, fulfillment coming from when you can answer someone's question or even if they don't really, they come in with a question, but they, they don't quite understand sort of exactly what they're looking for. And so there's always those aha moments that people have when they come in with a question and you can sort of bring it around and say, uh, but if you're actually interested in this, this would be your answer. You know, I think there's a, there's a nice dialogue that can occur when people come in and ask for something because we're, we're not going to be experts in every single field, but uh, what we are is experts at trying to find the best answer for you. So very often when people come in, we not only answer their original question, but we, we answer the next question in line that they, that they needed to know to um, get to the result that they actually did want.
0: And sometimes that human touch can make all the difference in the world. In a previous episode about protecting patrons' privacy, we learned that people sometimes come into the library for very personal reasons, and an algorithm just won't cut it. They need one-on-one attention from a person that can listen to their situation and then partner with them to find what they're looking for. Before taking on the role of head of circulation, Liz Kelly worked in the reference department. She recalls a family coming to her with an unexpected request.
3: A group that came in and they needed assistance with um, typing up basically a, a eulogy for a funeral that they were going to. And that was really something that I wasn't expecting anybody to ever come in asking about you know, they were in a group and it, it was really important to them that they had a way to sit down and be able to do that. But they also wanted to use some of our reference materials and historic materials to kind of add some life to it and give some background to the person that they were referencing. And it was really touching to see that they really appreciated that we took our time to like sit with them, discuss it, work through what they needed. And it wasn't something I ever expected to have to talk with someone about or, or have them come to us asking for. But I thought that was really special because it was touching that they were kind of being open with us about what they needed. And yeah, it was nice to sit down with a group of people who were going through a really difficult time and allowing us to be part of that in a way and and help them. And I'm really glad that they left feeling like they were successful in that.
0: There's no doubt that search engines like Google have made tracking down information phenomenally easier for the average person. But our reference staff can go the extra mile when the search results
1: come up short. One of the other advantages of the modern library is if there's a book out there somewhere, we'll get it for you. You know, if there's a recording, if there's a movie or a play, we will find it for you. This is where Lincoln's true skill as a reference librarian who has actually been trained as one comes into play. He can go get something that might exist in a single branch in Texas somewhere. He will find it for you.
0: Jim says day-to-day requests run the spectrum from leisurely curiosity to urgent necessity.
1: Someone uh, a while ago was asking about the Nantucket Yoho because they had gotten a paper copy of a poem that someone had written about the Yoho. And there was one line that was blurry and they were trying to translate, but they couldn't read the blurry line.
0: You might be thinking, Yoho? I also had never heard of the Nantucket Yoho. According to the legend, the Yoho is a mythical creature said to let out a mournful cry on cold, foggy nights. The story has long been associated with Tuckernuck, a small island off of Nantucket. So the query about a Nantucket Yoho was something new to Jim.
1: Okay, that's an interesting question. Is it earth-shaking? No, but I was able to go out and, you know, find an answer and Send back a version of a poem and said, "Okay, there's more than one version. It might be this one." And I guess it met because I got to thank you a little while later. There could be something like that. The next person that came in it could be some really critical. They need to get access or get in front of some social service agency. How do they do it? Or there's some deadline they're working under. There was one where someone I've forgotten what family it was, but they would be in line for a grant for their for their kids' college education if they can claim ancestry, but they can only trace the ancestry to a certain point. I was able to sort of fill in the gap and say, okay, what's that person's name? Okay, well, they're here and they're here and they're here. And oh, by the way, if you need more information, you know, the Barney genealogy site is a little biased in terms of who they include, but it's got lots of your family. So you can go back and look on that. And that's online. And here's where you get to it. And if you have any questions about getting through to that site or how it works, by all means, let us know. So that was yet another other case. So, you know, the genealogy can cover a lot of different directions. And it's not just, oh, they're interested in genealogy. It's like, yeah, sometimes there's there's a good reason for it, and they need to know something.
0: Lincoln and Jim sometimes partner with the circulation staff to track down the perfect book or item that will have exactly what the patron is looking for. This is Laura Pless Friedman from Adult Circulation. A couple weeks ago, there was an artist on the Cape, and she was doing a mural on somebody's wall in a in a summer house and she needed to know what what the docks looked like during the whaling time period what color they were and what kind of hardware they had so i know the nantucket collection fairly well and between jim and i upstairs in reference we were able to get her a couple books and he actually emailed her some you know just a photocopy or he photocopied it and then emailed it to her of different ship scenes. So I think that was helpful. And she, you know, she wasn't going to be able to come over here, but she thought, oh, we need whaling, you know, whaling voyage scenes. So she thought of us. So that was nice. And it's not just tracking down books and articles. You might be surprised by all the different situations the reference department can help people with.
2: Well, this might not occur to everyone, but you know the the reference department is there not just to answer you know your questions about literature or answer your questions you know for a middle school science project, but you know uh, more of your practical everyday questions too. You know we live in the modern world; we live with smartphones and computers. And so uh, I think some people are kind of surprised that, you know, if they complain about like how their printer isn't working or uh, how they can't get their cell phone to quite attach to something that we will just say, oh, you know, hand over your phone and I can I can help you with that. Or I can, you know, download that onto your phone for you. Uh, For a number of years, a a woman would come in and every time she got a new cell phone, she needed to uh, download some apps onto her phone. I think after the first time she learned that when she got a new cell phone, she could just come in and uh, we would help her download the apps that she might use on the phone. So some of those apps might be just like for reading books or, or things like that, but you know, some of, they could be really anything. If they say they want this app on their phone, we can help them navigate and, and put it on the phone for them. If they say, oh, my, my printer's not working at home, I can ask them questions like, oh, is it a Wi-Fi printer? You know, have you tried resetting your Wi-Fi to make it work again or something like that? Sometimes I think people come in with like problems or something and they didn't even really think about asking somebody at the library, you know, what to do with it.
0: Like anywhere, there are limits to what our staff can provide. When Liz worked in the reference department, she occasionally had to set some boundaries.
3: I think it's one of those things where we we always get kind of bizarre questions about certain things that we can do on the you know for providing kind of secretarial services that we don't have and there's been times when someone has asked me to basically design something for them like they needed a graphic design and i i had to explain that that was not only something i couldn't do like i don't have that skill but you know we, we can't you know, just make something for you. We deal with such a a vast, ever-changing seasonal community. So we never really know what to expect. And sometimes we can get a little bit overwhelmed with either the volume or a lot of times people will come in and just expect a lot too. I think that's kind of goes hand in hand with this service of doing as much as we can and trying to be, you know, as welcoming and as available as we can. Some people do come in and just kind of assume that, you know, we will have everything and we will do everything. So there's definitely a difference between us doing our best and other people just like putting that on us. And I think, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to say, you know, unfortunately we can't do that or, you know, try to take that step back and acknowledge really how far our services go and how, where
0: that line is of
3: what we're available to do.
0: One of the greatest public services the reference department provides is free access to basic business tools that you might take for granted.
1: In some cases, it's people who, for whatever reason, just do not have access to the Internet. And and we will see, you know, they'll come in. There are other people where they need help getting access to a specific aspect of the internet. It could be something involving dealing with a government agency, applying for unemployment for the first time, getting a tax extension, you know, and we'll work with them. I mean, obviously there's a confidentiality issue. So there's a lot of, okay, I'm going to look the other way now and you're going to type this in, but here's where you go to and here's the site and here's where it's asking for. And we're going to leave you alone. But if you have any questions, you know, I'm right over here. So there's that kind of assistance. Sometimes it can get a little more involved because they're trying to get specific information from a specific civic government agency. And they've hit a wall. And again, our job is not necessarily to solve the problem for them. We can't be advocates necessarily. But what we can do is at least get them to the point where they're at least in front of the right agency or the right web page.
0: It's not uncommon for someone to walk over from the RMV to print out a form they need to register their vehicle or renew their license.
1: Lots of people have phones, lots of people have laptops or tablets. But, you know, printers, Tend to be kind of expensive and it's i think i've actually seen that the numbers of people who have printers at home is, is actually going down a little bit so we do have a printer and we've had people come in who once they get the habit down they know what to do their phone is set up they can just go in, connect to the printer get their stuff and go we're not trying to compete with uh, some of the other entities on the island that might do it on a for-profit basis. You know, we're not, we're not going to replace them. We're talking like one page. You know, I need it. I need it now because I've got to go run this down to the town because the town hall's asking. You know, some agency at the town hall needs this document. I've got 10 minutes to get, get it to them. That's a service we can provide.
0: The library does charge a small fee per page for copying, printing, and faxing. But most services are completely free of charge. You just need to come on in and ask. In addition to all their outward-facing duties, Lincoln and Jim are also keepers of the vault. I know what you're thinking. The library has a vault? Do all libraries have a vault? That, I'm not sure, but ours does. It's a small, climate-controlled room tucked away in the corner of the Great Hall, and it holds the Athenaeum's most precious and rare items. It also is an archive of all the books and publications about Nantucket. One shelf has 18th-century travelogues, and another has every novel written by Ellen Hildebrand. The reference department is responsible for curating, cataloging, and managing the materials. And Jim says it's an ongoing challenge, with no clear rulebook.
1: You sort of go in there and you realize everything here has been organized by the librarians who came before me. So you're sort of looking at what they had selected and said, yes, this should be in the vault. This is a copy we're gonna hold on to. This is our pristine, good copy of something. We may have other copies in circulation, but this is the one we're gonna sort of preserve. Now, what we're trying to do is kind of call out some of the items we've got in there, like the Presentation we just had a while ago about you know what we call treasures from the vault you know bringing them to light and that's just kind of fun to go in and again it's like going into a used bookstore or a yard sale I'd say it's like a yard sale you know but it's one that's been curated and you look around and it's like oh they got those dealing with the fact that sometimes what we think is important is not necessarily what. Our ancestors thought were important and you know that's what we're wrestling with because on the one hand you look at and you go do we really need all these cape cod lives from 1985. (laughs) they're in here but you know (laughs) do they need to be in a climate controlled vault yeah (laughs) What do we have out on our storage (laughs) site? Maybe we should go see what's out there and maybe, you know, do we need all the canceled checks from 1973? No, let's get those out of there. Maybe the Cape, you know, but we don't want to throw out the Cape Cod lives. It's the same issue they're wrestling with, with all these self-published memoirs about Nantucket. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at it and you say, how do you decide which ones to take? And there's always that gamble because you go, someone's writing this story and it's about her family and the only people that care are the people who are in the family and they've already got the book. So do we really need a copy? And then lo and behold, the little niece that the person writes about endlessly ends up being become president of the United States in 30 years. You know, now don't we look silly.
0: There's no crystal ball that tells you which materials will be trash in 50 years and which items will be treasure.
1: Let's not forget, at some point, someone threw out our copy of Moby Dick, the original version of Moby Dick that we know we had. It just got worn out and it was, like, you know, it's 1875. Everyone's forgotten about Melville. We don't need this. it goes there is allegedly also that other unfinished novel he wrote or that unfinished story he wrote about the female light you know the lighthouse keeper's daughter on nantucket and who knows where that is that someone's probably using that for attic insulation somewhere whenever i start feeling grandiose i remind myself that somewhere in the past someone saw that copy of moby dick and went yeah it's all worn out
0: the vault isn't open to the public but if you're curious about some of the cherished items that reference overseas check out our online program, Treasures from the Vault. You can watch it on the Nantucket Athenaeum YouTube page, or you can find a link in the episode notes. As Lincoln said, maybe it's never occurred to you to bring some of your questions and problems to the library. Next time you're stumped by a practical everyday challenge or your Google search has come up short, stop by and say hello to Lincoln and Jim. They'd love to help you find what you need. Even if you don't have a specific question, I encourage you to climb the spiral staircase up to the Great Hall and browse the shelves. You might be inspired to delve into a topic you never even knew you were curious about. This has been a production of the Nantucket Athenaeum. It was written, edited, and narrated by me, Janet Forrest. Special thanks to the Athenaeum staff members featured in this episode. Jim Borzileri, Lincoln Thurber, Liz Kelly, and Laura Plus friedman The Nantucket Athenaeum is located at 1 India Street in Nantucket, Massachusetts. We'd love for you to come by and say hello. You can visit our website at nantucketathenaeum.org. Join me again next week when we take another look behind the shelves.